0: Amen, amen. Why don't you, you can give God a praise, clap a praise before we sit. This faithful God, faithful God. Well, it is uh, great to be with you this morning. Uh, Welcome to True North. My name's Dean, if we haven't met one of the pastors here. And uh, we are, it's exciting to have all the men back from man camp, hey? Can we have some shouts from the men who were at man camp last week? Give me a clap, a shout. Good to all be back together on a Sunday morning and uh, celebrating great things. Now you saw Dion's story earlier. How good was that? Did you? Oh man! And uh, but today we're going to get into uh, our Big Rocks series. Uh, if you haven't been here, we're in a series right now called Big Rocks, and we're talking about uh, big rocks are the the big priorities of life. And this series is all about what are those key priorities as a follower of Jesus. Those, those key things, they have to be a part of our life. They're, they're just, this is the big stuff. This is the pointy end of the stick stuff that we know that God wants for our lives. And, uh, and we've talked about spirit-led mission, what that looks like. We talked about uh, evangelism, what that looks like and can look like in each of our lives. And we talked last week about uh, reframing spiritual formation, what it looks like to allow God to form us, to carry the presence of Christ in our lives. And today we're gonna talk about Leadership development. And some of you may, when everybody hears those words, everybody probably has different thoughts and ideas and what kind of comes to mind for you. But what I want to suggest to you today is that leadership development is at the the core, at the pointy end of the stick of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And I want to give you a little picture of, of what this looks like and why I believe that is so true and so important for every follower of Christ. If you're a follower of Christ here today, this one's for you. It's not bonus level material. It's not just for certain people. This is at the core of what it looks like to follow Jesus. In the uh, mid 90s, there was a, a guy named Larry Page. Some of you know who he is. He was a student at the University of Michigan and he was studying uh, computer engineering or computer software, something like that. Something really smart, you know, really smart, had to do with computers. And so he's studying this, and one summer uh, while he's in university, he decides to enroll and take some time to invest in his own leadership development. And he goes to a, a program, almost like a summer camp for leaders at the University of Michigan, that was called Leadership. So he goes to this program, Leadership. and one of their phrases, it's in their, their kind of motto, it's in their, their, their just core of who they were. Uh, and, and Larry took it on himself to adopt this phrase into his own life-thinking mentality, mindset, his own leadership. And it was this phrase that he went after that week uh, while he was a student. And it was the phrase, develop a healthy disregard for the impossible. Develop a healthy disregard for the impossible. So Larry is there and he really kind of, this is his takeaway. This is what I wanna, uh, wanna build into my life and into my thinking and into my leadership. And Larry goes on to be a graduate student at the University of Stanford. Now as a grad student, he has this dream and this idea back in the, you know, kind of early mid nineties that I, what if, what if I could download the entirety of the internet? He, he wakes up actually one night with this. What if I could just download the whole thing? I get every address. Now, Anyone at that time would have said that's impossible. That can't be done, and there's a whole bunch of reasons. It'll cost too much storage. How? Where are you going to put all this? How will this even have enough storage? Like you just, there aren't even such thing as search engines at this time. It's just impossible. But he had chosen to invest himself and. In, leadership development and decided on this idea that I will disregard I'll have a healthy disregard for what's impossible and because of that he presses forward with his project and that project ultimately becomes Google so Larry Page one of the co-founders of Google and the reason I bring up that story and I love that story is because it always blows me away that uh, what made something like Google possible was not actually that he was just a super smart guy, though he was, clearly. But that he took the time to invest in his own leadership development. Leadership development is not about kind of, I learned some new skills. Something took place in his kind of very DNA, in the way he thought, and the way he was willing to dream. Something took place at a character level that was bigger than just he learned how to do some really cool stuff with computers. He Changed his whole mindset to think in a new way, and because of that, we have something like Google. And my challenge for us today is to realize this the reason I would say leadership development is at the core of what, it, you know, every Christ follower's life needs to reflect. This is a big rock, this is a key priority because what fundamentally allows us to reach for, achieve, move towards the dreams that God has for us is not kind of skill acquisition or or getting smarter or better at something technical, it's as we allow God to transform us to reach our our greatest potential as followers of Jesus. And leadership development ultimately is about two things, allowing God to do that to us and then passing it on to others. And this is at the core of what God wants for us. In fact, I want to start this morning by reading uh, a verse from 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. And this is a a snapshot. Paul is writing a letter to a leader he's been developing named Timothy. And he's going to give him a little snapshot. This will be our little picture today of actually what leadership development is all about. And to be honest, in the church, leadership development can go by a lot of names. You can call this discipleship. You can call this leadership. You can call this uh, mentoring. I don't really mind what all these things are fundamentally about is how we develop every person into their fullest potential as a Christ follower. And Paul puts it to Timothy like this, 2 Timothy 2, two, He says, The things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul says to Timothy, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. He's going to give him a vision for what leadership development is all about. And actually what Timothy's life needed to be all about. In fact, let's read this verse. I want you to to, to really grab hold. Let's read this verse together this morning. 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things. To reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others, two Timothy two two. Now here, this is a great verse to memorize, and one of the reasons it's great is because it gives an incredible vision for what the life of Christ is all about. The other reason is because it's super easy to remember two Timothy two two. (laughs) You know, there's always twos. You know, I always have a hard time. Where, where is that? But this one's a really easy one. So I encourage you to grab hold of it. Uh, But I encourage you to do that because this is at the core. This is a pointy end of the stick of what it means to be a Christ follower. And if we had to give a, here's our two word summary today of what this verse challenges each one of us to do. And it's to do this, to multiply yourself, to multiply yourself. What Paul is saying to Timothy at its core is multiply yourself. You see, and, and this is fundamentally what leadership development is about. It's about being transformed and then passing that on to others. You know, one of the reasons I can say with incredible confidence that this is a big rock in the life of a Christ follower, that this is actually at the core. This is not bonus level material. This is not, you know, hey, if you get around to it kind of stuff. But this is at the core. Do you know, this letter that Paul wrote, 2 Timothy, is actually the last letter that Paul ever writes he is in a prison cell he's awaiting execution he's alone in the dark he has almost no one left with him he knows he's at the end of the road read the letter and you'll see him talk about things like I fought the good fight I finished the race he knows that this is the space he's at in life can I tell you something imagine this for a moment you've got one shot to write one last letter what are you going to talk about the small stuff The stuff that's like, hey, if you get around to it, no. You are going to put into that letter that which you know is absolutely at the core. That is absolutely at the pointy end of the stick. That is absolutely the big rocks of, hey, this is what it's about. And this whole letter echoes with themes like this of Paul exhorting Timothy to take what's been given to you and go out there and keep passing it on. He's saying, Timothy multiply yourself. What must be, and this is my, my hope, you know, for you today, for every one of us, as we read a verse like this, as we think about the reality of this, is imagine what would happen if every Christ follower saw it at the core as the big rock of what it looks like to follow Christ, that what is not sort of like if I get around to it, but what is absolutely critical and key, if every Christ follower felt that that pointy end of the stick was I must multiply myself. I must pass on that which has been passed on to me into the lives of others. Now, let's look a little bit about what this process looks like. And Paul gives us a really kind of simple framework here. He says to Timothy, look, it starts like this the things you have heard me say, the things you've heard me say. You know, Timothy had been traveling with Paul on a couple of occasions. He was on missionary journeys with Paul. He had sailed with Paul. He had walked roads with Paul. He had been in, you know, services with Paul. He had seen Paul in every kind of situation of life that you could almost imagine. And he had heard everything Paul had to say, up close and personal. And Paul says, I want you to take that. I want you to take those things that you've heard me say. And I want you to pass those on. Can I tell you something? Multiplying yourself always starts with whatever good teaching, shaping, that which has been deposited into your life. Multiplication always starts with you and your experience of following Jesus. You cannot multiply that which you don't have. I didn't take any fancy math classes in university. But I know this. You know, anything times zero is zero. You can't multiply what you don't have. You know, every one of us, you know where, where the process of, of leadership development has to take place? It begins with our own experience as a follower of Christ. Am I allowing myself to be transformed by Jesus into the, to reach my fullest potential as a follower of Christ? And who are the people who've deposited good things into my life? Every one of us, can I tell you something, if you're a follower of Christ, and every one of us sometimes can be a little too harsh and think, yeah, well, you know what, I've not arrived yet. I'm not Paul. I'm not Timothy Dean, you know. I don't know if it would be a a good idea to to multiply myself. You know, something, we never actually arrive. We never become perfect, and now is a good time to start. We must start with a decision to say, whatever has been deposited into my life, I'm going to choose to begin to multiply it. Do you know one of the things that I think is one of the best questions you can ask yourself uh, on the front end of thinking about multiplying yourself is simply to ask yourself this this question. What would the church be like if every person had a faith like mine? Just ask yourself that question. Spend a little time with it sometime. What would the church be like if everybody's faith looked just like mine? And, and, and the reason I think that's such a critical question is because, you know, sometimes, like I said, some of us have a tendency to be too hard on ourselves. But sometimes asking that helps us know, you know what, actually, yeah, I know, sometimes I sort of feel it. Like, but you know what, actually, if somebody was handling this, I'd feel like, yeah, no, that's, I could, I could see how they're on a path. They're growing in someone else's life. Some of us have a tendency to be way too easy on ourselves. But then if you actually think about it, what would it look like if everybody had your faith, you start to go, you know what, actually, that wouldn't be a real healthy church. That wouldn't be a real healthy place. You know, I find always myself, whenever I think, you know, I wish our church was X, Y, or Z. You know, I wish we were a little bit more like this or a little bit more like that. My first question is always, why am I not a little bit more like that? If I want our church to be a little more X, Y, or Z, am I X, Y, and Z? Because I can't multiply what I don't have. And the thought that somehow we could sort of tell people what to do or just sort of teach people, no, we cannot. We can only multiply that which we have. And one of the best questions you ask what would the church be like if everybody had faith like mine? What would the church be like if everybody attended the way I attend, you know, came to gather for worship the way I do, with the, the way I think about it and approach it? Everybody came with the same level of passion and expectation and desire to worship God that I have. What would the church be like if everybody gave the way I gave, served the way I served? What would the church be like if everybody had the same sort of level of passion for evangelism that I have? What would the church be like if everybody approached, you know, their, their workplace as a follower of Christ, the way I approach mine? What would the church be like if everybody approached their family, the way I approach mine and my role and my field. What my it? And that is one of the best things. It will give you a snapshot to say, would that be a healthy place? Would that be a strong place? None of us ever perfect. You may feel like, oh, but, but if we begin the process of growing ourselves, we're beginning to have something to pass on to others. Say, so, oh, I don't have enough to pass on or share. You know what? But I'm hungry to grow. Then pass on your hunger to grow. Pass on your, your humility in that pass on, your just desire to say, I don't have it all figured out, but I want to go on a journey, would you come with me? So it always starts with, multiplication, we can't get around this, it always starts with you, it starts with me, it starts with our experience, it starts with what's been passed on to us. And then the process looks like this, we then take what has been happening in my life and I choose to wisely invest that and entrust that, Paul says, to reliable people. We choose wisely where we begin to invest that which has been entrusted to us. We choose wisely. And, and Paul says, you know what, you got to find some people to start to pass on. What you've been given, what I've been given, our experiences, our mentors, our, the people in your life who shaped you. That's, it's, you've been entrusted with something. That's like a treasure. And Paul says, now take that treasure and entrust it to reliable people. Let me hear you say reliable. You know what I love about reliable people here. As Paul doesn't say, find some really talented people. Find some people with some huge potential. Like they could really, you know, if you found the right person and, you know, and maybe they had the, the right connections or the right positioning or the right this or that, you know, I bet that person could really take off big. Find somebody who you think could get the, the book deal, you know, and invest in them. Find somebody who you think could really do. You no, know, Paul says, you know, all you've got to find, you know, who, who you should invest the treasure you've been given into Reliable people. Anybody can choose to be a reliable person. All reliable is, it just says, I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to stay true to my word. Paul doesn't say find the most talented people. Don't, Paul doesn't say to find. He says find reliable people. People you can count on. And that's a wise investment. Find those reliable people and, and begin to entrust to them everything, Timothy, that I have entrusted to you. You know, every one of us has to, the whole idea of seeing multiplication begin to happen, it starts with us beginning to look around and say, who can I invest into? And it doesn't need to be the people who maybe you feel like they're ready for us. You just got to find who are reliable people. Because the, the goal is that those people will now be qualified once you have invested into them to teach others. You know, the vision that's so powerful here is that this is, you know, we sometimes talk as a church about like a leadership pipeline. There's a whole, the, the vision here is that there's a constant flow of people being developed to their full potential in Christ and then developing others. Paul says those people, uh, you, you know what, they're reliable. The, the, the key thing is so that then they can begin to teach others. This is a picture of multiplication taking place, and it starts with multiplying yourself, and you really see kind of four generations of disciples here being equipped to their full potential. You see from Paul to Timothy, you see from Timothy to the reliable people, and you see from the reliable people to the others. And the whole idea here, the whole picture, this is why leadership development, discipleship, whatever you want to call it, this is why it is critical that it is for every follower of Christ. Because if at any point in that picture someone stops passing it on, the flow is broken. If Paul had invested all this into Timothy and Timothy said, you know what, far out. Thank you, Paul, but I'm not you. I mean, you're Paul. I'm the one the letters get written to. I'm not the letter writer. I'm, You know, you're Paul. Like if Timothy had said, I'm just going to, but I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to live my faith out right where I'm going to put all this into practice. Guess what? The flow of development would have stopped. But Paul says, no, no, no. Timothy, pointy end of the stick. End of my life. Only a couple things left I can say to you. Make sure the things you've heard me say, you, entrust to some reliable people. That you pass it on. That you multiply yourself the way I, Paul, have multiplied myself. And if Timothy had stopped, the whole thing stops. But instead, the picture is this. If Timothy, if you'll entrust it to reliable people, imagine the reliable people maybe said, man, this is amazing. I mean, Paul invested all that into Timothy. Timothy, what a, that guy's amazing. Look at all we've learned from him. This is great. We're going to be able to live good, faithful lives. I mean we're not Timothy. We don't really I mean Timothy learned from Paul. Like we're just, you know, some reliable people. You know, we're just those reliable people from 2 Timothy 2:2. 2, 2. That's us. We don't we're not like leadership the fellow man passing. I mean, we just wow. Thank you Timothy, but and if they had stopped the whole movement stops. The flow cuts off. But Paul says, this is the picture. Those reliable people, Timothy, I gave it to you so you could give it to them so they can give it to the others. And guess what? Those others are called to multiply themselves. And so what happens is by the time you get to the others, I mean, like I said, I'm not a maths kind of guy. But if Paul was one person and he multiplied himself into Timothy and a bunch of other people, but Timothy... You know, once Timothy, it was passed to him, now you had two people. And once Timothy passed it to maybe, let's just say, two people that he passed it to, now you got four people. And now if each of those two passed it, now you got more people. (laughs) See what I did there? That's the point. This is how multiplication works. This is how exponential growth takes place. This is how a seemingly impossible task of 11 original followers of Christ, this is how they turn the world upside down. So that centuries later, there's a billion you know, followers of Jesus on the planet. Seems impossible, but it only happens when every Christ follower takes it upon themselves to have a growing walk with Christ and to then take that which has been deposited into them and entrust it to others. And if any one of us breaks that flow, Movement stops. The flow gets cut off. And yeah, we'll see some good stuff happen and we'll live some good lives and we'll be grateful for what was given to us, but we will never see the kind of movement Jesus envisions for his church unleashed through his people. This is my, the the picture I want you to, I hope and, and sort of dream you'll take away today is what it looks like when the whole body of Christ, when ministry and discipleship and leadership development is taking place, not, you know, one guy on a stage, no matter how good looking he may be. <laughs> ministry doesn't take place, you know, one person here, or, or a few people on a staff, or uh, just even a couple connect group leaders who said, I'm going to take this on, or, or a few people. But when every person in the body of Christ, ministry, disciple, leadership development was happening, side to side, person to person. Ministry is not flowing like this. It's flowing like this. And people passing on and passing on and passing on. That's the vision. That's why this is for everyone. Because if any one of us does not choose to multiply ourselves, it stops with you. And and the vision is not just, yeah, we'll we'll find a couple more people here and there. and We'll we'll live some good lives. The vision is this multiplying. Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell won't stand again. It's going to be an unstoppable force in this world. And the plan for it is people who multiply themselves and other people as followers of Christ, living into their full potential as followers of Christ. My hope and dream for every one of us here today is that if you're a follower of Christ, you will make it your life's ambition, your driving vision, your sort of, this is the greatest investment I can make is gonna be to begin to invest myself into the lives of others to take that which has been poured into me and poured into others. I always love this phrase, Andy Stanley, when he talks about leadership development, he always says this, he says, your job is never to fill up someone's cup. Let's say you're investing in someone and you kind of, you know, every one of us, we have a cup of our lives and there's knowledge, experiences, good teaching, all these things to go in there. And he says, you know, your job is never to fill up someone else's cup. None of us can fill up someone else's cup. We all need multiple, you know, influences, mentors, experience, you know, learnings, all these things. But he says, everyone's responsibility when you begin to invest in someone else's life is to empty your cup. That everything you've been given and entrusted with, you may not fill someone else's cup, but you better empty your cup into them. Give them everything you've got. Everything that's poured into you, you teach them, show them, model them, pass on to them. That's how you begin to multiply yourself. And and if you are, find yourself even today, you think to yourself, like, that's good, but here's what I know. Many of us, you, you'll want to discount yourself from this process at some point. And there's, there's three kind of common ways I see where people say, you know, this is why it's not for me. I'm not Paul. I'm not Timmy. This is just not for me. This is This is bonus level stuff. This is extra features on the DVD. I just want to follow Jesus and get through. This is for everyone. Here's three things that I commonly see people on discount. The first is this. Many of you might be sitting there today and you just say to yourself, look, I just haven't arrived yet. I don't have anything worth passing on. Like I said earlier, can I encourage you? You know what? None of us ever arrive. None of us ever, it's like, yep, now I've got enough to pass on. If you are growing as a follower of Jesus, if you're on the journey somewhere, if you've taken two steps in following Jesus, there's somebody who's only taken one. And it's your gift privilege to be able to say to somebody who may be a, a couple steps further back on the journey than you to say, hey, how about, how about we spend some time together? I want to pour some things into you. You never arrive. None of us are ever perfect. And if we wait until that moment we feel like we've arrived, this will never happen. You know, you say, well, I've just got too many things going wrong. That's great. Pass on the fact that you're actually broken about the challenges in your life. Pass that on to somebody. The second reason I find a lot of people who don't want to do this, is that you, you overestimate what this looks like. You hear leadership development, discipleship, and you sort of think, man, this is, this is going to be complex. All right, cool, man, I better multiply myself. I better get engaged in this. But you start to think, man, so I better find, like, some materials, some resources. I better put together a PowerPoint. I better find a room where I can meet with the people who I'm going to multiply myself in. And there's probably going to be, you know, I probably even need to get a microphone. Now i got to get a sound guy. It's too much. I'm done. It's just that We overestimate how complicated this process is. You know what Paul did with Timothy? He's like, come, travel with me. You know, come on a ship with me. Be with me. I'll write you some letters. I'll put some things on paper. This is not, we overestimate the complexity. This is not complex. And then the other side of it is for some of us, we underestimate. So some of us, we overestimate the complexity, but then there's other people here. the same thing. They're like, yes, great, I can multiply myself. I will get the books. I'll get the material. I'll do the PowerPoint, and I will get that sound guy, and it's going to be awesome. Can I tell you something? You are completely underestimating what this is all about. Materials can't do it. Programs can't do it. Curriculum can't do it. Only life on life can do it. Only by first being that which you want to pass on can you begin to pass that on. And that is is in some ways far more challenging than just finding a bunch of materials, resources, program, or whatever you want to call it. It's life on life. Just get this. Jesus has said the delivery system, the way we're going to get this Mission Impossible taken care of is life on life. Programs don't disciple people. Materials don't disciple people. Disciples disciple people. It's person to person. And the third reason we just don't is because we've just not been intentional about how we invest our lives. This is the third barrier. Sometimes it's literally we've just not been intentional about saying how I'm gonna spend my time. I love reading books where you only have to read the title. I don't know if you've ever seen books like this, but you read the title and you say to yourself, I don't even think I need to read the rest of this. That's awesome, I'm good. I read a lot of books that way. And then when you say I read that book, it's awesome. People think you read a lot, but you just gotta choose the books wisely. One of the books that I had read that way (laughs) is a book by the title of Never Eat Alone. Never Eat Alone. It's got a lot of pages to it, but I read it and I was like, yeah, I don't think I even need to read anymore about that. I get it. How much can you unpack the idea of just don't eat alone? How much complexity can there be in an idea like never eat alone? And I love that book, the title anyway, because it's this simple reminder that everyone is, you're going to eat anyway. You have three meals a day. You're thinking about, and it's just a business book and about, you know, a lot of things with leadership and development and that, I assume. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I read the back cover. Um you're going to you're going to be eating three times a day anyway. This is stuff that's already in the rhythm of your life. Invite people into that space and make the most of those times. Do you know if you just make it, you know what? Here's how I'm going to start to multiply myself. I'm never going to eat alone. I'm going to invite people, you know, I, you know, and maybe you can eat breakfast alone. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But you know what, I'm going to just invite, let's have lunch together. Let's have dinner together. Let's catch up for coffee together. And if you're a growing follower of Christ who's spending time now with people, you are going to begin to multiply yourself in them. Do you know, if you're a follower of Christ and you invite a younger follower of Christ, whether younger in years or younger in experience, you say, let's eat together. And you take them to a restaurant. You might talk about nothing, but guess what? They're going to pick up from you how you engage with people in a restaurant. And that is critical. How are, you, how are you engaged in that space? What does it, you know, look like? How do you engage? Well, there's just, if we just begin to choose to say, I won't do things alone, I'll invest in people, you automatically start to step onto the journey of multiplying yourself in the lives of others. So here's my three simple things. You say, I want to just start Just I'm going to give you three ideas. These are just starting points. There's only one thing I truly hope you might walk away with today, and that is this, that you would allow... To Timothy 2 Timothy two to start to become a vision for your life. Because I'm convinced when every follower of Jesus in our church takes that as not the job of some, but the vision for every Christ follower, multiply yourself, that's when the church goes forward. That's when the church becomes an unstoppable force in this world. That's when you don't just kind of... Add a person here and there. That's when you begin to multiply impact. And I say this because I know across this room today, you don't realize how much you have to pass on. You don't realize how many people need what's been entrusted to you to be passed on to them. And so my hope is that you would grab hold of that vision. Just make it your passion. You can't ever, we never start down a road until we first sort of vision and dream. I know I want that. So I encourage you, maybe memorize 2 Timothy 2 two. Maybe start to just pray, God, would you give me that vision? God, would you help me to see some people? Would you help me to show me how I can invest my life the way Paul invested his life into Timothy and Timothy to reliable people and reliable people to others so that we could be here today. But here's three ideas if you sort of say, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around this. Dean, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? Here are just three suggestions for you. Think, where, do I, where would I even start? The first suggestion, the first idea I would give to you is to join a team. Every Sunday, there are people who gather on teams here at True North so that when we gather, uh, we're able to to fulfill all the biblical functions of the church, do the things that God's called us to do. The reason I would encourage you, if you've never joined a team, it is really hard to do life-on-life discipleship, leadership development with anybody if you are not experiencing I'm actually connected to other people. And so I encourage you, if if your experience of church and being part of a church is very much to kind of come in and go out, you are actually cutting yourself off from the context whereby you will find those people who need you to pour into their lives. You're actually gonna live at a distance. And if life on life is a delivery system, then we cannot actually start to get engaged in what God's called us to do unless we put ourselves in situations where we are now connected relationally with other people. And our teams are a great space to begin in that. Our teams are a great place to to invest in your own leadership development. Our teams are a great place to get connected to others who you can invest into them. Maybe you're even on a team and the next step for you would be to say, you know what, I will lead a team. Because that means I can actually even take into a a space where I could, this could be a group of people that I can say, hey, here's somewhere I can start. Guys, I want to invest into you. Second suggestion I I have for you. Know, and I'll, one, one last one I'll, I'll mention there even on, on joining a team. You know, one of the great spaces in our church for this as well is in our, our, our Compass Kids ministry. You know, we set up our children's ministry to function in small groups of kids. And sometimes people think of small groups of kids and they get afraid. And more. Why do they tie me up and carry me away, you know. But can I tell you something, if you are saying, oh man, I don't know, I'm, I'm like, where do I start developing as a leader and inviting other people, and I'm just in a stage of the journey, I feel like I'm only a few steps down, where would I start? That is one of the great spaces you can choose to invest your life in, in other followers of Christ. You're like, they're just, kids, can I tell you something, you can make one of the most lasting impacts you can, if you choose to invest your life of faith into a child. Talk about an investment worth making, that thing is going to pay dividends for their whole life. And into eternity so that is the one great space you sort of think kids I don't even know, you know what that is you know what if you just say I'd be willing to hang out with a group of kids to rub shoulders to eat a little food and sit in a circle with them my goodness the impact you can make for the kingdom of God it's incredible second uh, space I, I'd suggest here here's a simple thing anyone here could do if you sort of just think man if you're the kind of person like I just want to I want to do something I want to do something grab a find a, two people grab a book and ask two questions I heard a guy who had written lots of books about leadership development, he talked about this idea, and I loved it, and he was talking to, when I heard him, he was talking with a guy who was sort of saying, oh, it's too complex, where do you start, and he said, anyone can do this, just find two people, grab a book, and ask two questions, say, we're going to read this together and ask these two questions, what are you learning, and what are you doing with what you're learning, anybody could actually do this. To just say to a couple people, you know what, I want to invest in my own kind of leadership development, growing as Christ follower. I'm going to read this book. Would you want to read it with me? And we'll get together, you know, once a week, fortnight for lunch or breakfast. I'm never allowed to eat alone again, so I need someone there anyway. (laughs) You know what, you say we do that. We'll just talk about what we're learning and what we're doing with it. Can I tell you something? If, If, like, our church was filled with people doing that, just we would see multiplication. You begin to grow. Sometimes it's what's in the book. Sometimes it's just what the book, you know, sort of stirs up. And life-on-life transformation can take place in those conversations. You know, we've got a, a, one book I always recommend to people. It's called Spiritual Leadership. It's by a guy named Oswald Sanders. And whenever there's a book by a guy named Oswald, you're like, whoa, that must be pretty serious stuff. And it's a great book written in an era when people were still named Oswald. And, um... But I always recommend it to people. And you know what, if you say, you know what, I want to do it. Where's a book? Where do I start? It's called Spiritual Leadership. I'll give you a copy if you want to do that. You know, send an email to the church. We've got some copies. And, you know, if you're going to do that, it's an incredible thing you can do just to begin to invest in your own growth and, and that of some others. Third thing that I just encourage you is, and this is the bottom line, just choose to invest your life. Choose to, to be intentional about how you invest your life. Choose to say, I'm going to invest my life in people. I'm going to create those spaces. I'm not going to do things alone. I'm never going to serve alone, come to church alone, eat alone. I'm going to just look at every space I can invite someone to be with me. When Jesus called his disciples, always talks about it, he chose the 12 to, one of the two things he says, one of them is to be with him. There is a be withness that just has to take place for discipleship to to happen, leadership development to happen, multiplication to happen, and just choose to say, I'm going to invite people into every space I can. And you'll be on that road. You know, I, I want to just read you a, a last story this morning. And then uh, I'm going to invite the, the team up even as I, as I read you this story. It's one of my favorite stories. Some of you may have heard me read it uh, in, in different spaces. Um, but there's this great story uh, about a guy named Howard Hendricks. And Howard Hendricks was a... A professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, one of the most influential seminaries around. And he tells the story of how someone chose to invest their life into him as a as a child growing up in I think probably the 30s or 40s. He's he's passed on now. But he tells a story of and then this guy's influenced. He was president of this seminary that has turned out some of the most influential Christian leaders in the late 20th and 21st century, into the 21st century. And here's his story of, of how he got started. He talks about the people who invest in your life. He says, In my own life, I can recall several of these profoundly influential figures who were strategically used by God to change the course of my life. The first was a man named Walt. Had it not been for Walt, I seriously doubt whether I would ever have become a follower of Jesus Christ. I came from a broken home. My parents were separated before I was born, and neither one paid much attention to my spiritual condition. To put it bluntly, I could have lived, died, and gone to hell without anyone even bothering to care. But Walt cared. He was part of a tiny church in my neighborhood that developed a passion to affect its community for Christ. Walt's passion was to reach nine and 10 year old boys like me with the gospel. I'll never forget that Saturday morning I met him. I was sprawled out on a Philadelphia sidewalk playing marbles. Can remember those days. Suddenly, someone was standing beside me. I looked up to see this gangly guy towering over me, all six foot four inches of him. My mouth sort of dropped open. Hey son, how would you like to go to Sunday school, he asked. That was an unfortunate question. To my mind, anything that had the word school in it had to be bad news. So I shook my head no. But Walt was just getting started. How would you like to play marbles, he asked, squatting down. Now he was talking my language. Sure, I replied, quickly set up the game. As the best marble player on the block, I felt supremely confident I could whip this challenger fairly easily. Would you believe he beat me in every single game? In fact, he captured every marble I had, and in the process, he captured my heart. I may have lost a game and a bit of pride that day, but I gained something infinitely more important, the friendship of a man who cared, a big man, an older man, a man who literally came down to my level by kneeling to play a game of marbles. From then on, wherever Walt was, it's where I wanted to be. Walt built into my life over the next several years in a way that marked me forever. He used to take me and other boys in his Sunday school class hiking. I'll never forget those times. He had a bad heart, and I'm sure we didn't do it any good, (laughs) running him all over the woods the way we did. But he didn't seem to mind because he cared. He's probably the first person to show me unconditional love. He's also a model of faithfulness. I can't remember a time he ever showed up to his Sunday school class unprepared. You think of reliable. Not that he was the most scintillating teacher in the world. In fact, he had almost no training for that. Vocationally, he worked in the tool and die trade. But he was for real, and he was also creative. He found ways to involve us boys in the learning process, an approach that made a lasting contribution to my own style of teaching. Overall, Walt incarnated Christ for me, not only for me, but for 13 other boys in my neighborhood, nine of whom also came from broken homes. And remarkably, 11 of us went on to pursue careers as vocational Christian workers, which is ironic given that Walt himself completed school only through the sixth grade. It just goes to show that a man doesn't need a Ph.D. for God to use him to shape another man. I love that picture of this guy, Walt. Who's willing to invest himself in the lives of some other young kids. 11 of them, you know, Howard Hendricks goes on to be president of a seminary, has influenced, you, you can't even believe how many key leaders across our, our world today were influenced by this man because one person decided to invest themselves in the lives of others. And it doesn't matter if it's kids, it doesn't matter if it's invested in teenagers or someone in their 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s, it doesn't matter. But whenever any one of us, chooses to say, I'm going to invest my life. Life on life. That's the delivery system. That's God's plan. That's his dream. It's not for some. It's not for the people with the PhDs. It's for everyone who has an intentional vision to say, I want to multiply myself and my faith and some others. I want to pray for us this morning. Would you stand up?